Bible Girl Podcast. I'm Jessica Robinson, and I've gathered my Bible, my journal, some study tools, and highlighters in every color for study time. From the practical to the inspirational, I pray that these podcasts give you the tools and motivation to be a Bible Girl, too. It is so exciting for me to be able to welcome you to the 100th episode of the Bible Girl Podcast. I had no idea when I started whether this would last very many episodes. In fact, I kind of thought that this would be something that would be a little bit of a a vanity project for me. I'd start it out and just try a little bit and see how it went and just figured I'd get a couple episodes out there and and run out of the time to dedicate to it or I wouldn't find any listeners or it would be more difficult than I thought. And at first, all of those were true. Um, It was very slow going at first. There were a lot of technical things I had to learn. Over the time that I continued at it, I got a little better. I still have a long way to go. There's a lot of things that I want to improve upon. And I've enjoyed um, learning along the way and, and growing through this process. It's been such a joy to be able to share these things with a wide audience as we've uh, developed listeners from all over the uh, all over the world, actually, I have listeners in uh, Portugal and listeners in Italy and listeners in London and um, probably other places. Those are some of the people I've heard from recently um, and throughout the the years as we've been podcasting. I never expected to get to a hundred, but I really hope we have lots of hundreds more. Um, This is a a medium that I have enjoyed, and I think that there's great potential here to help and encourage and inspire, and that's my desire through all of this. The real message of my life has been to share the the beauty, the excitement of being able to connect with God through his word and through prayer, through spiritual practices and disciplines, and to be able to give people tools and encouragement to help them do that. And that is the mission of my life. It is what I'll spend uh, all of my life doing. In the next few years, I think the focus of it is shifting a little more, not so much to to knowing and doing the scriptures, but to actually having a healthy interior life, having a soul that is is strong and healthy and connected to God um, in even deeper ways. And, And we'll be expounding on that more in the podcast episodes to come. I want to take these things that I've learned and and that I've shared with you and to go even deeper and to delve into what it really looks like to have a soul that's fully anchored in God that can withstand uh, difficulty and that can come out on the other side, still trusting, still believing with a strong faith because their soul is safe in him. And we're going to be uh, talking more about what it means to abide, not just abide in the uh, external things, but to really deeply within your soul be rooted and grounded in your relationship with God. I hope that uh, these past 99 episodes have been encouraging to you and inspiring. And as we start with episode 100 and move forward, I pray that these will only be uh, even more helpful to you as we go. This episode, as well as the next episode, are taken from material that I presented back in April of 2018 at a women's retreat I did. Today's episode is going to be the opening night session. It was recorded live, and uh, and you'll hear the actual live recording from the retreat. Episode 101 is session two, and that material was not recorded, so I taught it fresh for you, and uh, that podcast um, will be available in two weeks, and you'll be able to kind of catch the second part of this, which will break things down even further. 
as we go forward, we're going to be talking a lot about um, our spiritual practices and how they form us spiritually. I'll have more handouts for you and lots of fun stuff coming up. I hope that you had a chance to enter our 100th episode giveaway, both in our Facebook group and through Instagram. And, um, and make sure you download today's show notes. I have a little more detailed show notes than normal uh, because I just pulled from my notes that I used when I spoke. I'm excited to see where God takes the podcast. I thank you so much for being with me on this journey. I pray that you're inspired and blessed today and always through Bible Girl Podcast. The word abide is used 10 times in this scripture. It means to rest in or to settle in. It means you're hanging out for a while. And one of the interesting things about this is that it's not a a, a suggestion or a good idea. It's presented as an imperative sentence. It is a command. It is something that we are instructed to do. But before we get into the, the concept of abiding, I wanted to spend a few moments just reminding you of who you're supposed to be abiding in. We know that it's the Father, and we know that Jesus is talking about abiding in me as I am abiding in the Father. But I wanted to remind you of a few things that we know about God and about Jesus and about the work of the Holy Spirit that make the process of abiding much easier. You know, if you're going to put your trust in something, you like to know whether it's trustworthy. And that's the first thing that Jesus tells us about this process, that he is the true vine. He is trustworthy. That word means trustworthy. He is a vine that can be relied upon. He is someone who has proven his love to us. He is someone who can be relied upon to be a a good vine that can feed us the nutrients that we need. But we also are abiding in the Father. As Jesus is abiding in the Father and we're abiding in Jesus, we have the Father. And it says that the Father is the vine dresser. And this is one of those interesting things in the Bible because because we live in a different culture than they lived in, a lot of things kind of escape our notice. In fact, many people who heard this passage, they would have heard it very differently than you and I hear it today. Because our experiences with vineyards and vine dressers is very different than their experience. And so I did a little bit of a research and I I looked up to see what was it like, what was the job of the vine dresser at that time. And we have some um, help in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 5. He talks about the care and planting of a vineyard um, in Bible times. And I I did a little bit of reading and I, I found a couple of things I think that are very interesting. The vine dresser's job at Bible times was to build stone walls and hedges around the vineyard. So the first thing that he did was he established his boundary lines and the lines of protection. The hedge did those both of those things. It established this is what I have. This is my vineyard here. But it also was high enough that it prevented um, you know, certain animals from getting in, and, and the, the stone wall was also used as protection. The next thing, once the, the hedge was up and, the, and the, the stone wall, he would build a watchtower in the center of the vineyard. And this watchtower would be where he would go to look out to see what was coming next, what was coming toward them. He could see danger. 
He could see the things that were coming, whether it was bands of thieves coming to steal the grapes at harvest time, or whether it was a marauding army who might trample over his vines, or maybe it was um, animals or, or some kind of storm coming that he would need to prepare for. He could see what's ahead and prepare for it and be ready to go. The next thing that I found was interesting is that the branches were not uh, tied up like we would we would think of um, in a vineyard. Branches are all tied up onto the post. They weren't at this time. Um, this was something that, that the Romans started to do and wouldn't have been at Jesus' time quite yet. This was something that was um, not done. They actually, that was part of the job of the boundary of the hedges. They were allowed to roam free. The vines would just kind of spring up and grow and grow and grow. And all across the area, they could go anywhere they wanted to go. And sometimes if there was a tree, they might start to climb up the side of the tree, wherever. As long as they were in the hedges, as long as they were inside of the, the stone wall, they were safe and that's, that was okay. Now, if they started to go up the stone wall and beyond, the, the vine dresser would kind of push them the other way. He'd get them to start growing in a different direction. So they were allowed to be free. And the next thing is that during vulnerable times, like right as the fruit was almost ready to be harvested, the, the vine dresser would pat, pitch a tent inside the, the fence, the uh, stone walls, and he would sleep right there, right there with the, with the grapes, because he didn't want them to be vulnerable to something at such a, a, a precise, perfect time. And they were, they were very vulnerable to elements at that point. And he didn't want someone coming in and, and taking them or losing them in some way. <coughs> the uh, planting and care of a vineyard required constant and intensive care. And when, when God is being the vine dresser here, as Jesus is referring to God as a vine dresser, I think you can see some good parallels here. He gives us some freedom He puts us in a safe place and and kind of gives us that freedom. But he builds those walls up around us. And he gives us that that, uh, support and strength that we need by hemming us in in the right places. But then he gives us this freedom. And he also knows what's coming. He can see ahead. He knows the plan for your life. And so this is is who we're trusting. This is who we're abiding in. Someone who, who already knows what your tomorrow will be like. One of the things I've been telling myself over and over and over again in the last year is whatever happens, I keep saying, well, this wasn't a surprise to God. It might have taken me by surprise, but this wasn't a surprise to God. He sees ahead. He knows. He's, he is like the perfect vine dresser. Not only does he look out and see what's coming, but he knows what's beyond that that, that can't be seen yet. He knows all of that. He is with us in our times of vulnerability. And, and I think about the times in my life right before I had uh, really fruitful, productive periods of life. And I remember moments where he, his presence was so real. I could almost feel it. He was there with me in those vulnerable moments. And he also is um, giving us that constant, intensive attention that we so desperately need. And so that is the, the vine dresser. We see that, that the, the vine is trustworthy and the vine dresser is good. That he is good and he has everything under his control. But then we don't see him mentioned specifically in this passage. But Galatians 5, 
reminds us that it's the Spirit's job to bear fruit. This fruit that comes is the Holy Spirit's job. You know, we were never meant to muster up love. It was, it's supposed to be an outpouring of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. It is supposed to spill up out of us as the Holy Spirit is doing his work in us. It is his job to build those things in us. And we cooperate with him in the ways we're going to be talking about by abiding. As we do that, these things are built in us. It is his job. Every fruit we experience is the overflow that comes from abiding, the work of the Spirit in us. Tells us the, this passage tells us that the vine dresser prunes and cuts away. And I, I wanted to talk about that just a second because this, this cutting away um, has several different connotations. He mentions it in two different places. In the first one, he talks about the, the vines that are in me that aren't producing fruit get cut away. And then later he says that there are vines that are cut off and burned. And I kind of see these as two different scenarios. There's the people who, um, this idea of, of something being burned is that these really weren't, uh, they weren't in the vine in the first place. They weren't believers. They weren't really um, attached to the vine. But the first one where he's talking about it's in me and cut off, we can kind of compare it to the Old Testament and the Israelites where they lost the blessing of the Lord. They lost the nourishment, the, the constant care. They, God pulled back from them because of their sin, because they weren't producing the fruit of obedience. And as a result, they were cut off from his blessings. But if you bear fruit, then he will cause you to bear more fruit in a very painful process we call suffering. <laughs> that is where our fruit comes from. And uh, we have this idea in American culture that if something is hard or difficult, it's bad. <laughs> but that is not at all true in God's economy. In, in, in God's kingdom, the hardest things, the most painful things, birth the greatest fruit. The, 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 the fruits of all of the pain and suffering, that's what we go through. He's doing that. He's pruning it because he sees fruit in you. And he knows exactly how to bring out more. He knows exactly how to bring that fruit out. And also, pruning strengthens the branches. And I think many of you could testify to this. You go through something difficult, and it makes you strong enough to walk with God in the next difficult thing. Those seasons of pruning bring about the strength that we need to walk the Christian life. And so this pruning may seem painful, but is entirely necessary. Because, once again, our vine dresser is good. And our true vine is trustworthy. And the Holy Spirit is alive and active at work with you, in you. So how do we abide? What does it mean to abide? First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This passage is telling us that obedience is how we abide. John 8.31 says that abiding is a mark of our discipleship. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if uh, abiding is obedience, how do we know what to obey? Where are we getting the, the things that we're supposed to be obeying? Where are we getting those things that we're supposed to be doing? Well, we get them from God through his word and through time spent in prayer with him. We actually get these and we abide practically day after day through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are what we're going to be talking about this week, and there's a big list of them, although we're not going to cover every single one. In your packet, you have a list of spiritual disciplines, and um, you can pull that out, and we're going to briefly go over that together. It's toward the back. one page if you have letter-sized paper, and if you have A5, it'll be two sheets. I'm going to briefly go over these, but we're going to talk about some of these in greater detail tomorrow. The first one we've already done tonight, praise and worship. (laughs) We can praise God as we pray or as we sing during a worship service, but it can be more spontaneous. It can be in your car or when you think about Jesus. It can be at night taking a few moments to think about your day and what he's done for you and praising him for it. Um, You know, pausing for a few moments and turning your thoughts toward God is um, a way to abide in Christ. We also have Sabbath. I could preach an entire uh, retreat on the value of Sabbath. (laughs) Instead of packing every moment of your life full, Why don't we give a little bit of time and space to allow God to speak to you, allow a slower pace of life? Why um, putting putting aside the the, the busyness and the hustle of our lives and intentionally choosing to build relationships and spending time with our Father, they are the things that give you life. And pretty much most of the rest of of the things we do suck the life out of us. This is the opportunity to to restore your resources. Then we have prayer. That's more than a blessing before meals or a laundry list of requests. It is an opportunity for you to have your heart changed. We're going to talk about just in just a moment when we talk about the benefits of abiding. We're going to talk about prayer and answered prayer. Prayer is where we hear God's heart and where we share our whole selves with him. Solitude and silence is very important, being quiet and still. It's important for our souls that we have that time. It is important, even if it's just a few moments, to be quiet and still, to turn off the phone, to turn off the music, to turn off the the television, to drown out the rest of the noise and just spend a few moments in silence with God. Rest is a little different than Sabbath. Rest is just kind of taking a few moments to a few hours with no agenda, a chance to just be instead of do. You wouldn't think of this as a spiritual discipline, but it's incredibly important. It's important because we weren't created to constantly do. We were created to be people who were in the image of God, and God rested. God took a break. God has no limits, so we can have limits. And so we rest as a spiritual discipline, unplugging, put away the digital clutter, the email notifications, social media. We were not made for constant media consumption. And the more uh, we are 
uh, becoming addicted to these things as a society, the more we are understanding the dangers they pose to our soul. Taking, uh, while they're certainly beneficial and no one is asking you to get rid of them, taking some time away from them is very healthy. Consider setting aside regular times to put down the gadgets and connect with God and with other people in less digital ways. Examination. Over and over in scripture, even this morning in the book of, um, I was reading one of the minor prophets in um, Zeph, uh, I'm reading Haggai, he said, consider your ways. And he said it three times in the first chapter. Consider your ways. Look at what you're doing. I'm not sure you, you quite get that. Look at what you're doing. You know, he's telling them, you don't understand what you're going. Stop. Look. Examination is an opportunity for us to take a few moments and look at the direction we're heading and say, is, am I on the path God's laying out or have I branched off on my own path? That happens far more than we realize I've learned. Meditation and memorization. Scripture, meditation and memorization is how we grow in our faith. It's probably been a big part of working through several issues in my life. We're only accomplished through constant meditation of scripture. Scripture reading and study, which we're going to spend some time. I'm going to teach you some study methods this weekend. Spending time reading God's word. Also, being in nature. Being around the creation of God. Being able to see his handiwork and his glory and his majesty. I, I learned something interesting recently. I had surgery in January, and about um, two and a half months after surgery, I started losing my hair at a very alarming rate. So much so that I was ready to call the doctor, and I was thinking, I, I don't know what's going on with me, and it was kind of frightening. And then I happened to Google it, because of course, you know, don't call the doctor, just Google, right? So I Googled it, and um, I found out that it's a side effect from um, kind of like an intense or stressful surgery on your body. And when your body goes through stress like that, it shuts down the functions of the body that it doesn't need to run. And it diverts all those resources to your heart, your lungs, and your brain. So when I went through that surgery and I had that recovery period at home, my hair follicles shut themselves down. And they start up again about two and a half months after surgery. And it's a sign that your body thinks the problem's gone. So we can divert those resources back to your hair. Now, I tell you this story because my first thought when I read it is, how can people think there's no God? Like, how precise is that? That even our hair follicles have a purpose and know, know when to turn themselves off and to turn themselves back on. God created an intricate world out there and taking that time to appreciate the way that he's created, the, the vast um, creativity and, and just di uh, dimension of the world is important for us to stop because sometimes our problems seem far bigger than our God. And when we look at his creation, we begin to see his power. When we see a thunderstorm and we attribute this to God, God created the weather patterns and how these things work. He becomes bigger in our minds. Our perspective shifts. One of the things that is a newer discipline to me in the last few years is scripture writing. And it's something that I have really enjoyed doing. I started back when I did a Beth Moore study and she had you write out the whole book of James. Anybody here did, did that study? I think a few of you might have done it. Um, and I, I loved it. 
I love to write. I love to write things out. I love colored pens and pencils, which you'll see tomorrow. And so it was a, a discipline that I gravitated to. But once I started doing it, the benefits of it were really immense to me because I could slow down. And as you write, you're thinking about what you're writing. Instead of just reading through chapter after chapter, you're, you're really focusing. Those are some spiritual disciplines that uh, we're going to be talking about this week in different, this weekend in different ways. But these are how God speaks to us. And we speak to him. This is how we abide. This is how we connect with him. So once we've done that, and once we do that on a regular basis, we begin to bear fruit. And I'm going to give you uh, six benefits or results, six results that come from abiding as we wrap this session up. The first one is something we've been talking about. We bear fruit. The fruit that we bear is a changed life, and it's not just our own, but we also change the lives of others as well. We bear fruit. We become more like Christ. We shed off our uh, parts of our character that do not reflect him, and we begin to bloom and grow in ways that do. We also, as we do that, we kind of brush up against people and we begin to have that as, as we rub shoulders with other people, we begin to change their lives as well and help them change just by them seeing our growth, by our ability to share our faith, by going through a difficult situation and being able to share how God's getting you through. Those spiritual things that we do produce fruit in us, but they also produce fruit in the people around us. And one of the interesting things is they produce fruit in people you might not even realize. I believe that all of us as believers are going to get to heaven one day and find out the impact our faith had was much greater than we had anticipated. The second result of abiding is that we receive answers to prayer. It says it right in John 15 that you ask what you will. But here's the tricky thing about prayer and answered prayer. <laughs> Truly the goal of prayer is to be able to share your heart with God and get his heart in return. And the better you are at abiding, the more answered prayer you'll have, not because God answers more of your prayers, but because you are starting to pray more with the heart and mind of Christ. And so you pray things that, that, that he is, is wanting to answer in your life. Your prayers begin to reflect his heart. And so that is how we receive answers to prayer, by abiding in him and beginning to change the language of our prayer so that they reflect the, the heart that he has. The, the third one is we're free from persistent sin. 1 John 3, 6 through 9 tells us that if we abide in Christ, uh, it means that we won't have a practice of sinning. It doesn't mean you're, you're not going to ever mess up. It doesn't mean you're going to do things wrong. But what it means is when you're abiding, you're continually working on those little things, that those besetting sins, and you're continually getting better at them. You're continually growing more and more like Christ. Number four, we will be in the light. We live in a dark culture. First John 1, verses 5 through 7 says that we abide in him. We abide in the light because he's the light. And so we have guidance, we have light, we have the, uh, the, the power of God to illuminate the darkness in our lives. 
and in our culture today. And that is a result of abiding. We also are find that God is glorified by our abiding. In, in John 15, he says, In this my Father is glorified, that you abide in me as I abide in him. And then the last one, we experience joy. He ends the passage by saying, I'm telling you all of this because I want you to have full joy. I want your joy to be complete. I don't want you to miss out on something. There's joy out there to be found, and I don't want you to, to I don't want it to pass you by because your attention is elsewhere. It's important to remember as we think about abiding is that everything is in response to God. He invites. This is in direct contrast to every other religion. In every other religion, you go searching for enlightenment. But that's not how it works. In the Bible, it tells us in John 3.16, God loved and God gave. It says nothing about us. We don't go after it. He starts it. He initiates it. In Romans 5.8, it says that God sought out his enemies. He went to the people that were far from him, and that's who he wanted. He came out for you. Philippians 2.13 says that God gives us the desire and the ability to follow him. He puts that in our heart. If you came here today because you had a desire to draw closer to God, that's because he put that there. He gave that to you. He is the initiator, and we respond. And so we end this, end this session by saying that he invites you to abide in him, to draw closer, to push into him, to bear fruit, experience joy, to find answers in prayer, to walk in the light and glorify him and live free from sin. Frederick Buckner in The Remarkable Ordinary writes, To love God means to pay attention, to be mindful and open to the possibility that God is with you in ways that unless you have your eyes open, you may never glimpse. He speaks words that unless you have your ears open, you may never hear. Draw near to him as best you can. He is extending you an invitation. And how will you respond? I'd like to pray with you. Father, you are a good vine dresser. You take care of the details of our lives. And we can trust your son that he has already paid such a high price for us. He is worthy beyond any worth that we could ascribe to him. And we thank you for the spirit who works in us to bear fruit. We thank you that we do not do this alone. We thank you that we just cooperate in a process that you initiate. And as we think of this invitation, Lord, we respond to you, we come to you, and we thank you. We thank you for drawing us to you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have each day to abide in you and to, to live in, in a, the dailiness of our lives with your constant presence and companionship with us. We thank you for that, Lord, and we respond to you in faith and trust, and we hope that one day as we see all of the goodness that you've brought in our lives as we've abided, we will have an opportunity to praise you once more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Go to BibleGrowPodcast.com to email me, download show notes, sign up for my newsletter, print the monthly scripture writing list, and listen to past episodes. 
Join the Bible Girl Facebook group to get the latest podcast news and to interact with me and other listeners. I'm all over social media as Jessie L. Robinson. That's J-E-S-S-I-L Robinson. I'd love for you to friend or follow me. Join me again for another episode of Bible Girl.